DJ Coffee Talk. Let's get buzzed. Buzz. Welcome back to DJ Coffee Talk. Today, Jack and I finish our discussion about the ups and downs we've experienced so far while looking back at the two years of work we've put in on this project. In part one of this series, we cut off after talking about our interview with the dubstep industry man, Mental. And today, we're going to kick things off with the musical candle maker, Alex Bochel. So we wrapped up with Mental, and then we um, had our next interview with Alex Bochel, um, who is a guy, oh man, how did we even connect with Alex? I think he reached out to us. I think he's another guy that saw... The podcasts and either just maybe commented something or somehow we got connected on the social medias and I don't think we were ready for the story that he had for us walking into the interview and to take a, a, a step back and look at the grand scheme of things and where these interviews have taught us things I think Alex is where I'm starting to learn like don't take any interview for granted you don't know what story a person has to tell um and yeah i'm sorry but what were your thoughts on it um don't judge a book by its cover yeah. and then the best way possible yeah but, i mean just kind of seeing his whole story we wouldn't have loved doing research on him and his background it was even based off of his website when i did that i didn't expect to kind of go in depth in his philosophy and and, and what he had to say you know he had a lot to say about his his history and, and how he got to where he got. And I think sometimes I'm very guilty of it, but I kind of can fall into patterns where I make snapshot. I don't like where this one's going. No, it's okay. Yeah. I'm with you though. Like yeah. Pre-calculation. Are you agree with Cause yeah. I'm not trying to be like too no. rude about like snap no, no, no. judgments about someone. Yeah. Kinda, and so, not that you think lesser of them because of it, but you just kind of like, you, th- you think that's just where the pattern is. Like you see somebody and you're like, Oh, yeah, we're falling into a negative thing here. It was well, I don't think either was it was in a negative sense. We just had didn't expect the the depth of character that um, Alex brought to the interview. Right, and that's being honest. Like, I yeah. just didn't expect that. But then we met him, and I was like, oh wow, it's all his yeah. depth, his experience, like what he went through to get where he is, his whole history, how he took this jump into music very bravely, in my opinion, because he really didn't have a background in it mm-hmm. mostly, and he took a really hard pivot into Shift. it yeah. um, because it gave him a transcendental experience and embodied experience when he listened to music and it fulfilled something that he needed. And he said, I'm going to contribute to this. Yeah. And he took a big jump on it too. I mean, yeah. he was at one point living out of his car, jumping, doing a, doing a job to pay the bills, but he was living out of his car while he was doing it, traveling around the country and yeah. making music and coffee shops and wherever he could get Wi-Fi. and <laughs> you know, went through that pursuit of making it. And that was you know, a big part of his, his path. And it was cool going into depth about his whole, his whole viewpoint and how he goes about doing what he does and his philosophy, you know? And I thought it was, it was, I guess the judgment came from me initially because the music he makes is, is very not what I'm used to seeing in the West coast bubble. Like if that makes sense, maybe not. I mean, there's accents in his music that would be, presented in music out here but yeah i'm talking specifically of my exposure in like arizona and california yeah, of music good. and i wouldn't normally see a style like his mm-hmm. but then once i kind of got the chance of opening up to him and meeting him halfway i started seeing where this fits you know yeah. well, his type of music the art style how that his whole little world he's the world he's making in his community yeah. which was a very pleasant reminder of like the amount of diversity that exists yeah. in artistry yeah you know, and it's not really like a, this is better than this. It's just kind of like, it's different ways of expressing yep. music and ourselves. And how well do you do that? You know? Yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's, it's, um, I had something to say and then it just slipped out of my mind. Son of a, um, yo, no, I was just going to say, I think that he's one of the most like present people that I've met in a long time. Very. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he is living every day. The way the way he wants to. I mean, everybody has to make sacrifices and do things, but for the most part, he's just he's there. He loves what he does, and like he couldn't like it feels like you couldn't offer him a million dollars to do something that would take him off of this trajectory. And I don't think he would take that. I genuinely don't. Yeah, and he was. I mean, initially he was a wasn't he like a computer science major and he's yeah, kind of on track yeah, yeah, to yeah. do that tech and guy yeah tech and you know it's in terms of salaries you know i feel like that's 
one of the higher paying industries yeah. to get into. Not yeah. to say it's, I don't, I'm ignorant to the amount of work that goes into it, the hours, but I mean, in terms of monetary reward for what you're doing, it's a little bit higher yeah. you know, than, than other degrees. Yeah. And I chose to go into music. Yep. Had a, had a life experience. And, you know, I think it's something that all of us experience to certain degrees throughout our lifetime, probably multiple times when you kind of question your direction in life. And it's like, is this making me happy? And for him, it was, a, it was just a huge course correction and a complete shift from the way he was going. And I, I think that just takes a lot of ability to be honest with yourself and being present in the moment and not worrying or being concerned about, um, the, the, the different things in life that can keep you off of your path, like worrying about, you know, money or security or things like that, that are all uh, essentially I don't want to say farce because they're not far, they're not false. Like they're real things, but they're, um, what's the word? Um, not illusions, but what's the term I'm looking for? Um, delusions. No. Distortions. Distortions kind of, um, insecurities, fears. I just feel like you can overthink those things, Yeah, you know, and even though in the intellect or your brain. Um, who do we have next? We have dream code, which is also trippy branding. Um, yeah. yeah. Going into the matrix land. Um, (laughs) and you know, they were, I mean, local guys, Phoenix, if you will, I met originally in a music class and then ended up meeting together and collaborating and relatively off the bat, we're getting a lot of success and what they were doing ended up staying together. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of ways, I, I, I don't know if you were doing this when we were talking, but I was drawing similarities between them and us. Really? Friend, just having met in college. I was focusing on my leg hurt. <laughs> <laughs> also, round of applause for Jack being a fucking trooper and like doing this interview with his leg up in a sling. Yeah, my ACL reconstructed about yeah. a week or two before week. I think, <laughs> I think that was like five days after. It was. It yeah, was. That was like a headache, like fucking little delirious out of it. On on a real note, I um thank you for being such a trooper. I know at times I can be a little I hope I wasn't pushy about it, but I think sometimes I'm just like so focused on getting something done that I push I through. I'm the same way. I was sweating a lot in that couch <laughs> though. It wasn't from pain. It was just probably from like whatever happens after surgery and your body's kind of going through it. But yeah, it went well overall. I think it went really well. I think it did. I think it did. It was a nice conversation with them. But yeah, I was just drawing kind of some con- comparisons and similarities with with those guys because they met in college like we did um you know eventually came to start a creative project together like we we did um and yeah i, I don't know I've, I've just really enjoyed sitting down it felt pretty natural having a conversation with them yeah that interview going back to like lessons learned i think um we found something out about them later on in the interview that I wish we had more time to dive into as far as conversation goes. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to spin that into a lesson, but it was something that I noticed that it's like, may, may you divulge. What was the, do you remember what the thing? Yeah, no, it was them talking about religion. Oh yeah. So, okay. I guess I could say maybe not. That was one of the, I think the lesson in, cause in my, for me, for that space, like there's that, like, because like you're starting to get into the realm of beliefs at that point, yeah. like deeply rooted beliefs. And then yeah. sometimes I think there's an art in an in a interview and conversation to bringing those up in a way in your interview style where it's like you're, it's an open conversation and I don't know, it just gets a little bit more of the, in, the intensity goes up. I think a bit when you start going into those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would not consider myself a scholar in Christianity or Catholicism or religion yeah. or any of those things. So it's like kind of having the curiosity to ask questions, bring up the conversation, talk about the thing. But then also like naturally when certain things come up, we're going to have questions, but then you don't want to be like too ignorant or overstepping with the questions, but not you specifically, but that's yeah. how, I, how I feel. Yeah. And it's like that process that's going on a bit during an interview in your head where yeah. you're like trying to set up the next question or figure out how you're going to go about it. Yeah. And it's definitely religion specifically, you know, one of those, those things that people do tend to hold very deep rooted in their belief system. So it's like, yeah, it's just, it's a, it would would have been, I'm not even saying we should have went deeper into it. Just that 
again, not trying to hold any, you know, preconceived notions of, of the people that we're interviewing, you know, going into these interviews with a complete blank slate is the best way to go about it is I think what I learned from this. I feel like more or less too, it's a good way to go through. I'm just musing now, but a good way to kind of go through life, you know, just like not have a preconceived judgment about someone. Yeah. And maybe that's just overthinking again, where it's like, oh, that's like, think I know who this person is, but we really don't like, yeah. we just have an idea. It's like a projection on them of who they, we think they are. Yeah. And that recurring lesson where like the real beauty in an interview is kind of stripping past that. And it's just a shared moment between two people. And you're yeah. like, okay, what actually is going on here? Yeah. If you're willing to share, who are you? And then if not, like what's this thing that you're really invested in? And maybe mm-hmm. that'll give me some insights as to who you are. Yeah. Or I can better look at the object of your focus and yeah. kind of go into that world. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it was just it was just interesting because I think of previous to this, like I, I, I man, I'm stumbling. It's all good. I don't know why that was such a shock to me, and I'm trying I'm trying to conceptualize that and, and process through it. Um, because you think of I think of artists as open-minded people and trying to tie those two things together. So you're viewing religion in more of a dogmatic sense? Yes. Yes. And that's not okay. And I know that logically, I know that's not okay. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things that went into thinking, assuming that, um, religion wouldn't be a fundamental driver for somebody who had this type of a lifestyle or made these type of life choices. I'm not like, that sounded bad. Not in that way, but just like, yeah, I'm struggling here, Jack. <laughs> so I, I think what you're kind of poking <laughs> at is that the, a perspective of Christianity or Catholicism and organized religion is that it's restrictive. Yeah. And I think maybe it's due to maybe some of your friends that you've shared with me that have had very restrictive religious upbringing. Yes. And then mm. for them, music was a gateway out of it. Exactly. I'm thinking of one person in particular. Yeah. I don't really think I have to name him, but yeah. um, it was really restrictive for him. And then maybe there was kind of that connection too, because that was your idea of what religion is. And then that belief got challenged once you met one of, you know, you met Dreamcoat and the duo and I'm learning about, you know, his involvement and religion yet he still is he holds that belief but he still is a very creative person that's yeah. immersed in a culture that from the perspective of dogmatic religion might be have stones thrown at it because yeah. it's like this is too liberal and free flowy and yeah you know it's got a lot of tones in it that kind of cut against the current of like dem- like very strict you know orthodox religion maybe at least yeah. the stereotype of that that we have in our heads of like 1960s and like you know you can't you got to be very like conservative and reserved and yeah you know exactly not not overly expressive of certain parts of 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 human beings so like maybe for example sexuality or um satanic like music might be considered satanic like some of the music they play at at festivals yeah um Subtronics, yeah, maybe consider Devil Spawn. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> Some just consider him a solid and filthy time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, but it, yeah, it's just it was interesting because not that I didn't think those two mindsets couldn't you know coexist, just hadn't put much thought into it, and then we were just sitting in front of somebody, and that came up. I was like, shit, I think that concept's so interesting. And I want, okay, this is my, my goal is I want to learn how to address concepts like that in a more delicate way. Cause I don't think at that point in time, interviewing dream code, we had the necessary skills to probably go about that in a delicate way that would have been productive and yeah. Or in a way that like, you know, yeah, it's like the, the smooth or the way of learning how to ask questions. Well, yeah, you know, we, we hadn't progressed to the point where at least I hadn't where I could be like, oh, tell us more about that. I think I would just be like, oh, so what's that like? And I'm like, oh, shit, you're religious. Yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, but it's again, ties back to like seeing people for who they are and yeah. their unique journeys and 
really as interviewers learning how to sit with them no matter where they come from and be open to it and be like, okay, can you tell us more about that? And having that kind of soft boundaries on the conversation, mm. those, those soft boundaries. Yeah. And, uh, thinking back on it now, also, like, I'm just really impressed with their, their branding, their desire to brand. And their and studio to, too. Holy fuck. Fucking crazy studio. So, yeah. It's, it's a reference <laughs> to the episode. They had a uh, Jonas Brothers background while we interviewed them. And the, so. the, the Zoom fake backgrounds. Yeah. It's like the, the Jonas Brothers studio yeah. is beautiful. Somewhere in Hawaii, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Gorgeous studio. You were saying this. Right? Um, no, it's okay. But just like their, their, their idea of trying, with, with Dream Code and their new project of trying to create a new world, you yeah. know. Um, which I think that ties really well into like the future of entertainment too, with yeah. you know, free virtual reality, augmented reality, yep. people getting deeper into the virtual world. Mm-hmm. I just see that as a trajectory. I mean, metaverse was the hot word for yeah. you know, about a month, two yeah. months, but I mean, that being the whole next step of kind of how we communicate. Yeah. Want to bounce this idea off? Yeah. So I wonder if some of the pull to that is the similar uh, pull. Okay. So let's take a, like a vinyl, like a record back in the day. I feel like, the draw to something like that was because at that time that was immersive. People want to be Im- immersed in art. Mm. Right. And at that time that was the modality. Like you had not only the music, you had the artwork, you had the, um, you know, the passages in there, you had a lot of different things that culminated in a full immersive experience for that time period. So I wonder if that's like the similar draw to people trying to get into like the virtual reality immersive worlds when it comes to art and movies and and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Or just, I think it's using the technology of the time period to create Mm -hmm. an artistic experience, which is like arguments for and against that. I feel like, cause I feel like sometimes people are upset because we're moving away from, you know, the actual hand done artwork and we're moving toward the virtual artwork and people have opinions on that. I'm not well versed or educated on them, but I know that that's a point of, you know, contention. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, yeah, I think it's just, it's another platform to express artwork on and people are always going to, humans are going to adapt and express themselves wherever they can. And we're going to leverage the tools we have Yeah, with the time period. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of partly what they're doing and they're, they've even talked a bit about gamifying, you know, the world that they're creating, mm-hmm. creating interactive ways for their viewers and their community to get engaged with them and keep that longstanding engagement. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting and very, you know, entrepreneurial and, you know, industrious and creative of them. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm excited to see other projects, like genuinely excited to see other project plays out, you mm-hmm. know, and where they go with it. Cause it could go, it could go any which way. Yeah. And they've also set themselves up well to, um, be able to transition. If you're creating a world, then create whatever world you want to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just interesting to see how they might even rebrand again, moving forward. Cause they rebranded from story time to uh, dream code. Yeah. Which I, I just am excited to see. I'd like to see them live at some point. If we yeah. can take a trip up to Phoenix, maybe yeah. do another interview with them. I'd love doing that. If we do one of the, the lives with them, yeah. just see them, see them live. Cause I feel like their music is very, has a lot of um, power to it and a lot of um, it's kind of like a wave at least a lot of the songs I listen to is just kind of a wave of experience and emotion mm-hmm. I feel like that would be very nice to listen to live yeah maybe we can interview him when your knee's not busted to shit yeah no it's I mean it's significantly <laughs> less busted than it was yeah and then moving on we had dream code then we had black white uh, black white Ted Wickstead um, yeah. Well, well, what what can we not say about Ted? He's, Ted is he's a, a, it's a genius. Yeah, he's just a master of many trades. Genius Jack, amongst us. Jack, so Jack of many trades. Uh, <laughs> house DJ and uh, person trying to find cures for Alzheimer's. Yeah, fucking what, what do you not want to do? Yeah. <laughs> Ted. Uh, it's a sign that house is a superior genre. <laughs> of course, opinion. of course. I think uh, I think low audio would probably agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll make a like, group. <laughs> a coalition of house con, you know fans and conduitors yeah it was I mean I talked with Ted went a lot of different ways it was very long too um, but I loved every moment of it and I think it was cool to hear about the difference in uh, not only slightly in air because he's a little bit older not by much but a little bit older than us but also in place you know he, he grew up in um um Essex. Essex. Essex? Yeah. yeah Essex. There, yeah. Um, 
and got into the music and the rave scene there in a different you know time period and a completely different place. So just like kind of comparing notes on what his draw to the scene was and his experiences in some of the clubs and um, in Essex and things like that. It was just very interesting. It was, it was like kind of like having a pen pal in a way. Yeah. Is that in like real time? Yeah, real time, real time pen pal. Some quick writing on your part, man, back and forth <laughs> per per passage. Pen pal, I guess, kind of. That is goofy, but it's it's a bit of a reach. I won't let you get away with that one. But I mean, it was cool. Different culture, seeing his perspective on on EDM and seeing the difference and like a little bit the difference in sounds from the time period, even his influences, um, the prodigy, which I'd never even known about until I looked into was doing research on him. Yeah, that guy was, you know pretty influential, which I'm probably pissing off anybody who's older and really knows a lot about music or just knows a lot about music in, in general and is knows the prodigy is great. I was ignorant to it and I looked into it. I thought that was dope. Yeah. That was a huge influence on his music. So yeah. it's just cool. And that, I mean, he was one of the, to my understanding, one of like the first people that kind of got into that electronic space, the prodigy. Yeah. Um, that's cool on a, on a personal note I think that's a really cool aspect of having been doing this podcast is being not forced but getting the opportunity to expand our not only not only like on a surface level our musical um, boundaries like our tastes like having artists on who reference somebody who reference somebody like I feel like my network of music has like expanded vastly since we started thing this yeah. thing but also ideas too yeah, yeah. you know inevitably um, you get uh, interviewing people you get just exposure to different types of people too I wouldn't yeah. have met any of these people I wouldn't yeah. have talked to like, there's a solid what like 30 40 people we would have never talked to if we hadn't yeah. done this easily we would have just been doing our, our same old pattern yep um, speaking of baking patterns, <laughs> breaking weather patterns. Breaking with weather students. patterns. A Huge weather. weather break there you go. I don't know if that'll pick up on the mic. Probably but not. <laughs> <laughs> um, Randy, Randy Huynh, um just uh, genuinely sweet guy. Um, based out of Chicago, and he's like. I want to be careful here because I really like, I think he, he has great art and great music and, um, you got starting off strong here, buddy. No, 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 not in a negative way. He just, I wonder how this project's going to play out because he has the, these, these songs and he has a clear message with his project. Um, Life things. Okay, I'm sorry. The the connection I'm trying to draw here is like he is doing really well as an electrical engineer and is um, living in Chicago to do that. Uh, it's just if I feel for him because I also feel the similar draw with this podcast, having an artistic project and loving it, but then also wanting to feed into your professional life and like. I'm sure he has, a, you know, we talked about the di difficulty and like drawing the balance between those two things. And um, I just feel the str his struggle, you know, and but I think it's a different type of struggle than maybe some of the artists that we've talked to. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of seeing how he's you know, progressing in music. He obviously has a love for it, but then also kind of balancing kind of equal poles. Mm -hmm. At least how I observe it between the professional life he has, which is probably very demanding. Yeah. And then his professional aspirations. Who's to say he can't do both? No, he's an incredibly the, driven person. Yeah, he's the era of both. Maybe, yeah. You know? Yeah. This is very true. Or both until you choose to go to one or the other. Seems yeah. to be the the journey of the 20, 20 something yeah. of our time period or 30 something. But. Yeah. Um, I'd say interview, interview wise, um, I'd say, and I think he, he self-describes himself as this, but he's uh, a shyer person and fuck him. I'm a shy person too. I think like doing interviews and talking to people in this format takes a whole different type of training yourself and skill set if you're not naturally gifted with it. Um, so I think with the interview, trying to like draw him out a little bit, I think that was a fun challenge. And I think it's something that we could, you know, probably work to get a little bit better at making, making people feel more comfortable and being open about things. Um, and just be more, more, more talkative, you know? Yeah. 
Because I think he's an he's he's an interesting person for yeah. sure. Um, Working with different personality types. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. that was a good good practice on that. But um, regardless, it was it was nice talking to him and thank you, Monsoons, for being on the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, Weasley was next. Yes, which is Weasley. Let's get the record Weasley. straight. It's Weasley. We and I'm sorry that was contentment at myself because I know during the recording of the episode I said it wrong. So Weasley. Anthony Souza, I'm sorry. I love you. You're awesome. You were so fucking fun to talk to. Um, another one that was just natural. It flowed. Like I think. Yeah. And kind of in contrast with monsoons, um, just one of those people that I think probably does feel natural with putting themselves out there, putting their foot forward, and it's just kind of. It didn't. It wasn't hard trying to pull pull stuff out of him. Yeah. A different type of you know different personality and personality is a little bit more i'd say uh monsoons his personality was like italics and then lowercase at uh-huh. times or like uppercase yeah and then um weasley yeah it's more you know all caps and then like a couple exclamation marks and an emoji which is fucking funny because that like translates into their branding too yeah did you mean to do that or no no that's crazy like monsoon's logo is cursive oh, essentially really? like kind of ita- <laughs> no it's italics italics and slanted and kind of more slander whereas weasley's just like bold fucking yeah. <laughs> capital letters <laughs> yeah that's cool it expresses in their personalities that's funny. yeah yeah that's a trip. I wasn't sure when you were in the middle of that. I wasn't sure if you were doing that nah, on purpose no or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, he was he was fun to talk to. Uh, we had the incident where Luna puked on my lap in the middle of the interview. Yeah, he even got his uh, fate read too. He got his by, fate yeah, read, Alex. It was it was an afternoon. It was an afternoon um, speaking with Mr. Anthony Souza. But um, kind of a he reminds me of like having a more goofy outgoing. Um, I don't want to call it a front because I don't think he's put up a front. I think that's just like his his persona. But then he also has that underlying um, drive and ambition. Yeah. It's very know? professional. It was almost to a sense like where this is a quite a jump. But Cole Mercer, when we had him on, uh-huh. was like very technical and, and articulate about everything. But like that yeah. it was almost like. Weasley like had the presentation of his like personas like that goofiness and like draws you in but then if you went down another layer it was like the level of intensity that like Cole has about nutrition but that's how he felt about music the music yeah just cool kind of like snuck up under like the the wave like yeah. just like this presence underneath that really like, oh this is like really mm-hmm. like, that intensity and that like connection to what he's doing yeah and that like professionalism but then on top of it, it's like that warm inviting like goofiness and riffing yeah. and joking and laughing yeah it's cool yeah it was and it, i think it just made for uh, a very, very natural and fun conversation with them um and uh we shouldn't we didn't we mentioned earlier but he's a part of the subtle but true um family family so it was cool to kind of uh pick his brain on the artist side of things um you know what it is like to have uh, a, a manager like steph so we got to talk to the manager first work backwards talk to Weasley and I believe he had had other management prior to Steph so it was kind of cool just to see his take on the importance of management um, what you know supportive and good management looks like to him and how that's helped him out in his life so it's kind of cool to draw those connections between episodes or guests yeah and we had a privilege of interviewing another member of the subtle but true family after him as well Mike Mm -hmm. Mike Dangles Mm -hmm. Um, he's the only person I know who does performing dubstep and is also a father yeah which is crazy you know (laughs) I mean there's more and more than that but as someone who's like climbing up in the scene there's plenty of DJs that are dads but yeah someone climbing up in the scene and putting in the amount of effort and time it takes to try to climb up in the music scene with he's doing so with joy in my opinion he's loving what he's doing but then also I mean he's a family man he's a dad he's taking care of things at home he's dealing with all the stressors from the yeah. day job that we all do. And then he's yep. at night grinding away at this and on the weekends performing tapped into the local scene and in where, from where he's from to Ontario, right? Yeah. Tapped into the local Ontario scene and, you know, 
Washington as it grows, which we got to resonate a bit with him on that as well, because we're talking about our you know local scene in Tucson and how it's developing a bit, mm-hmm. and just the scene in Arizona in general, yeah. how it's shifted over the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he know um, Conscious Pilot? Because doesn't doesn't Conscious Pilot? Oh fuck! I think we asked. I think we asked. Yeah, he, they must know of each other if if not like know each other personally. I think I thought we asked him afterwards. It was also late when we interviewed him and when we talked afterwards. I think we asked him about it, but I don't remember. Yeah, directly. It's got- gotta be pretty tight in head yeah uh, yeah from what both of them said it is so i'm guessing they know of each other or know each other yeah that'd be cool too to maybe even in the future do joint episodes or have oh, DJs yeah. come together or like kind of play with that i think that'd be fun yeah do in the future with the, the same scenes or completely different scenes too, yeah and match know? the scenes together you know yeah yeah do something either it's like an interview style or we do segments of the different scenes or we actually have them both on the same call talking with each other yeah that'd be fun we don't fun um, but Mike was, was awesome. Um, dub stepdad thoroughly enjoyed him being on, being on the show, telling us the joys of, yeah. And it's just like how happily he goes through his, his day to day. You know, yeah. I think that was one takeaway from our talk. It's yeah. just like, he just loves it. He yeah. loves it. And there doesn't need to be more explanation than that. Like, yeah. fuck. I was throwing some like deeper, some more like esoteric questions at him. But one of them was, was something relating to like happiness or love or fulfillment. And he was just saying like very simple answer, just waking up every day, being around my kid and my, yeah. my wife and, you know, have family, I have friends and this is kind of just cherry on top, being able to do this, what I love and do it with people I love. Dude. Amen. What a beautiful mindset. <laughs> yeah. Simpler, you know, yeah. or just maybe beautiful, like you said, and yeah. healthier. Yeah. Um, after Mike, we did a, uh, a stretch again, started something new, our live at series. Um, I want to ask Jack about this because it was kind of a brainchild of mine. Obviously, it took a lot of help from the team, from Jack and Alex to curate this, but um, I don't want to say too much about it because I want to know what, what you thought about the live at and like, wow, it formed. Did you think I was fucking crazy when I started it? Um, I think the initial like setting it up, there wasn't a whole lot of notice. It was like two, three weeks, which yeah. is the way it goes. But you're like, yeah, we saw the opportunity. I jumped on it. Yeah. Which, you know, commend you for that, you know, seeing something and going for it. That's yeah. what it's all about. Taking, you know, having an action bias, going for it and doing something. Um, I think it was us getting a little bit of out of our comfort zone, but uh, comfort zone, but for the sake of growth, you know, yeah. you know, doing live interviews, it's different than doing it in, in a closed off space, having different equipment to do that, you know, yeah. doing it off the cuff, not knowing how much time we'd have with people. It was a different length of interview and, and bringing it all together for a final project, you know, and telling a story through the episode, which I think is unique to the live live ads, mm-hmm. which was a kind of a new addition and us branching out of it. Uh, didn't come without its frustrating moments or, yeah. you know, yeah. without its obstacles. And but I think overall, you know, good experience and you know, a good addition. I think it opens us up to try different things too. Yeah. Cause we ventured out, did something new and we're successful at it. Yeah. I feel like you've spearheaded a lot of it. So I commend you for it. Well, thank you. And that, like, I don't know, it's, it's tough because I think we both have, we're both going to continue having this feeling of like, it's life too. I hate to start like pulling it out and like trying to extrapolate it, but it's like, how much do you want to not play it even safe because we're already doing something outside of our comfort zone. But like, how long do you wait until you challenge yourself again? Like, how do you challenge yourself? And I don't know. I, I, I appreciate you guys not, um, ditching me for, for jumping on that because yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I felt a drive to do it and, yeah. I think part of that too, it's important to aim and then fire. Yeah. I think sometimes I fire the name, but yeah. like it's important to aim and fire, but it's also important not to, you know, us to overthink, like to sit on the aiming too long because then the target might move and yeah. it's just like setting it up and then taking a shot. Yeah. Which I think is, there's a balance to that. I think we hopefully get better at doing that. Mm-hmm. With time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, and this might be taking a step back to the, pr- the project and these are conversations that Jack and I, I have like off the mic. So it's interesting to like kind of bring them to light now, but it's like, how long do we spend like 
aiming at things and sitting there aiming and like you can fall into that trap where then you just you don't take the shots you aim here aim there aim there you know it's just like putting the the step forwards to actually like taking the shots like what's the second third fourth steps you know yeah i think just i think just sorry just kind of reflecting on how that's i think it's been a challenge for both of us and something we both kind of recognize as a as a pattern I would say I, I like shooting a lot, though. Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> you don't think so? Not to call you out. I think we both like to idealize and and contemplate and and philosophize and make things idealistic. Fair. And it's I respect your opinion. <laughs> Jack. I definitely philosophize, but I'm working on it, though, to like be a little bit less, you know, more, you know, prioritizing decision making and that's what i'm saying i'm saying it's something that we're working on but i'm saying like starting out on this we used to sit for how long and just for hours yeah hours and just talk about ideas you know yeah. not really take any actionable steps towards them mm-hmm. you know um which i think is is natural i'm just trying to point out that that was kind of where we're at and we're yeah. trying to move away from that yeah it's where we were yeah, yeah. i think we're moving away from it though yeah wasn't meant to be calling anybody not, out here i've called out no what do you mean about like shoot? I don't. I think you're. What do you mean by that? I don't see. I don't see that in you. Like sh- doing things. Just sh- like shoot. I th- I thought you were trying to say it's a negative thing that you just like like do a bunch of random shit. Like I don't think that's necessarily you. Yeah, I might be you know over criticizing myself on that one too, but it's just more like I'm more prone to I feel like just do something and then see how it plays out mm. sometimes when it comes to okay. I'm picking something to do and I'll just like create something even if it's a shitty version of it but i just want to see the reaction to it or see how it goes oh okay which could be you know that's what i feel like i do but maybe i'm wrong i don't know probably depends on the situation and what i try to be like a little bit more methodical and think it through before i do something about it but yeah i mean i've also like i'm trying to counterbalance for the overthinking that i spend a lot of time in my life doing so it's just more like how do i just identify the priority when I'm at my best I feel like I identify like what I need to prioritize and I just create like a reverse engineer it to how I get those things done yeah and on on this note and I can't speak for you but I feel like um, a lot of times I think it's hard for me to take the next actual steps on things because I, I sit and ponder a lot of things and I question my motives of why I want to do those things right um, and being better about like having a gut feeling on what you're actually like motivated to do. Like, do I want to do this because I think other people think it's cool or do I want to do this because I think it would be cool and I'm getting better at recognizing that and then just going for those things as opposed to like trying to shoot at things that don't really, don't really fucking matter in the grand scheme of things to me. Right. You know? And I feel like usually I'll, it's kind of a process, but like I'll, do something but I don't really keep in mind how other people would perceive it which I think sometimes will make it come across not always the best way but like I literally I'm just like this feels right I'm gonna do it you know mm. and sometimes I'm off and like I can't do that as well but like I'll be like oh this feels this kind of alliance it seems like a cool project I'm just gonna put that one out there and mm. see what happens you know but I usually don't worry about maybe I do I don't know I challenge that like, I, well just in the grand scheme of things, because I think we fall into the trap of saying like, oh, I don't care what people think. And it sounds cool to say, I don't care what people think. I think undoubtedly we all at least factor it in. Like we all at least think about it. I think that's human nature. I don't think that's unique to you or I. And I think you process it differently. But the fact of saying like, oh, I don't care what people think. Like I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah. I don't get, yeah. I just feel like it doesn't, um, It doesn't give me a, my personal belief, just how I view it. I don't feel like it gives me a lot of anxiety. Mm. If like, I feel like someone, if it's affecting, like seriously affecting my future. Yeah. But like, I, mean, I don't know, but it did, at least on a day to day basis, like if I look weird or I'm not very self-conscious of like stuff I do, it's just, I kind of do it and I insert myself in rooms, mm. which can be like a good thing or a bad thing at least that's what i think because sometimes i think i'll insert myself into a room but i don't understand how i'm coming across yeah but i'm also not self-conscious of how like the other person could perceive me 
Okay. Or like perceive what I'm doing. I just kind of throw it out there. Yeah. Which isn't always beneficial because then it's, it's just good quirk. But like sometimes I could put something out. But if I would have like done that process of kind of looping and seeing how it could be viewed, I could have tailored it better. But it's just mm. more like this feels right. Blah. You know? Yeah. 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 I think this this is just things that I I probably wouldn't have questioned these type of things before having gone on the venture of doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. So that's fair. Like these are just things that I think it's interesting to ponder now because it brings these patterns to light. Like both of us, like working through these things and talking about these things is actually helpful in how we address going about getting things done. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's a work in progress. Like as you can, like we're both processing through this right now. I think in real time. Yeah. You know, but um, but worth worth thinking about though. Like in any sort of project or venture, I think you have to analyze yourself and your behaviors, or else you're going to get caught in traps and you're going to be frustrated and pissed. And I've, I catch myself in this a lot. And I'm just like, why is this not working as well as I wanted to? Why am I not able to get this done? And it's probably because of one of those behavior patterns. I think it comes down to self-awareness too, yeah. though. Just kind of understanding your, our, um, I can't say everybody, but my own limitations, my own strengths, my own loops or patterns. And then just kind of figuring out how to act moving forward. What helps me is kind of intuiting into what feels right, what feels right to the mission and then kind of thinking after that and be like, okay, how do I, now that I know that this direction resonates with me, how do I clarify the path forward yeah. and then use the intellect as a tool mm. as opposed to the, you know, the king of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in my opinion, every time I use that as the king of the whole situation, I find a lot more things going wrong than right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. If I do that first, because then it's just like there's other things in my head that kind of kink it up where it's like, oh, yeah. I want to make sure this is as safe as possible and works as efficiently as possible. But if I lead with like that gut sense and that sense in my heart, where it's like this is what the dream and the vision is. That's kind of fully embodied. And I go, okay, how do I reverse engineer that with the intellect to make sure I get there and then yeah. like direct the ship in that direction? I just feel like that relationship works better. Yeah. Um, our not intentionally, but our season finale, one of our biggest episodes that we've done today, as far as like notoriety or name of the artists, I don't mean by any means the the content or the the person, but um, having Son Holo on the the podcast, I think was was huge. Was a lot of fun. Was a challenge. It was it was all of it. I think I went through the gamut of emotions <laughs> putting together the episode. That's why it took me so fucking long. <laughs> To actually piece it together. It was it was such a weird feeling, Jack, and I don't like I'm still kind of trying to process it. How much tentativeness I had to opening the fucking audio file to edit our interview with Song Yeah, I was nervous about that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like it's so funny too, because like the cards are playing. Like we played. We've already had the interview, like the events over. We we're buzzing afterwards. A couple weeks go by. I'm like, I'm really interested to hear how it is, but I also like, I'm terrified to open it because what if I say some dumb shit, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was just, uh, it was, it was interesting. I don't know. I don't know why that is, yeah. but how was, what was your take on the experience with Son in general? It's definitely a more intense interview. Um, like I always feel like in, in the room, like you, all interviews, there's kind of that sucking in feeling or like you can feel the gravity kind of settle a bit, in my opinion, when you're sitting with someone that becomes the space that you're sharing. Yeah. And I was saw it was like amplified where it was like everything was like quiet and really intense. Yeah. And I was like, this is actually happening. And like I seen his face. Just be like, this is really going on right now. Yeah. Just trying to be calm and breathing in. Yeah, it was, it was a beautiful opportunity. Um, but definitely, I was definitely worried about the audio the whole time we were recording. That was like in the back of my mind because we, I think we were going off of what a phone. Yep. Yeah. 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 And I was like, the background noise is probably there. I remember his creative director was right behind him watching the interview too. And it was just, it was, uh, pleasantly tense. Pleasantly tense. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was. I didn't until going back on the audio. I didn't. I think I felt similar to you and, and like kind of sucked in. Like you don't notice the back. You know there is background noise, but you don't really notice it. I was so honed in on him that I didn't recognize how much shit was going on around us until I went back on the audio mm-hmm. and I heard all of the, like people coming in and out and like doors closing and we tr- tried to process and you know cut a lot of it out. But um, yeah, I didn't realize how much was going on. Mm-hmm. Because he's just so intent on on what's going on on the yeah, conversation. I remember he was talking very quiet too, at times. Yeah, uh, and then that was like making me a little anxious, and <laughs> I was not about to. I didn't feel like I felt like it would be out of place if I demanded that he talk louder. <laughs> so I didn't say anything. But it was just kind of. It was definitely a little part. Of, part of his presentation, I think, also <laughs> leads into that too. Like he's, I don't even cut. Like maybe it is soft spoken, but he's just like gently spoken and you like every word he says you know has an like import but it just kind of i think it lends to that feeling of being sucked into to what he's saying because it's not loud it's not boisterous it's not you know it's not you know gesturing or anything like that like he's just he's putting it out there but a lot of what he says has so much um meaning behind it yeah i I felt looking back on the the audio clips a lot of intention in his words yeah yeah that's before he speaks i wonder how much of that it is uh is being uh having english as a second language i think he grew up learning uh both his native language and english but still i think i wonder if like having to process through from one language to the other has any effect on how much he thinks through what he's saying before he puts it out there maybe yeah just a side thought. I don't know how much it matters, but yeah, but what a way to end that season though. Fuck. Yeah. It was a trip. Yeah. A trip that, um, and I th- this is a good place to talk about how, um, it wasn't like a, a set goal. I think either of us had, but a personal goal of mine with this podcast was to get an interview with San Holo. And I figured that was a down the road thing. I didn't think it was going to be popping up on, on season two. So, um, on a personal note, it was, it was, it was really cool. And I'm glad I got to share the, the moment with you. And it was just, it felt like a full going back to what we talked about in the first, first year in the first season too, is that, uh, you know, the shit, I'm going to forget the saying you introduced like the dust to clouds to dust. Yeah. It's from Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vee. Clouds and clouds and dirt or something like clouds that. Clouds and dirt. You're either in the dirt and grinding or you're at these high peak moments yeah. and you're really loving it and you're seeing from like, what you've worked for and achieved and then back in the dirt again yeah and the grime kind of crawling figuring it out working hustling yeah and it's a nice one of those moments i guess is what i'm trying to say uh having put out an episode of san hello because it's out there we did the work you know we had the opportunity i'm really proud and happy. Mm-hmm. that's what we'll be doing yep. moving forward grinding yep. and what um, do we uh what do we see going on what do we want moving forward you know, into the next year what do we yeah, what do we so think we're doing significant changes in the podcast. Um, I think just start better defining what it is we're doing. Um, but in that kind of also taking a, uh, um, a directive change um, in how we go about interviewing and creating our episodes. So we're going to each take a little bit more of an individualistic approach to interviewing, but we're each going to assist each other in our interviews. But um Jack, you want to explain more kind of what you're going to be looking into interviewing? Yeah. So I'm going to be moving a bit more into, you know, philosophy, artwork, uh, talking to local artists, talking to artists throughout the nation, going into more philosophical topics, cultural topics, um, then having discussions with people. I want to talk with people that are authorities in different, um, different professions, different realms, and really just pick their brains and get the wisdom out of them as to you know, what they do and their perspectives on things and uh, really use it as an opportunity to distill a lot of information and bring it into the podcast and make that a component of this show. Yeah. Where it's not only talking about artistry and entertainment, but also a whole nother, you know, facet where you're getting, you know, information out of us and in a way that's distilled and easy to digest and, and really hits, with, you know, our audience and, and you can walk away learning things or learning about cool and interesting people and, you know, getting their wisdom and, you know, distilled bits of information from them. Yeah. Yeah. And on the outside looking in on, on your side of things, I mean, you have the technical terms for it um, and they're your strengths, but the way I view what you bring to the table is in, in a, in a dulled down uh, way is it's just things that help maybe 
people that are learning to live life, like how to process their life, whether that be wellness, whether that be, um, you know, finding a new philosophical idea that helps them get through the day or, yeah. you know, discussing art to help you soothe something or process through something. But it, it seems like you're bringing a way to talk about um, learning how to live life as a young adult. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that, that sentiment, that idea. Yeah. And just, yeah, definitely. I think you worded it perfectly. Cause I think that's something that inherent, not, maybe not inherently, but a, a lot of people I think in the EDM scene or why they're drawn to it is because they want to, they're open to ideas and they want to, um, maybe I'm stretching here, but I really don't think I am. Like they want to live a more open and loving life. Maybe that's part of our culture now too. It feels like that's what yeah. a lot of people want. They want that deeper yeah. fulfillment. They yeah. Live more authentically. They want to maybe even like you said, stretch and grow into that space where they're feeling living a more open, honest, embodied, loving, maybe loving, but at least embodied, more yeah. mission focused, more driven life as opposed to maybe the the stories from our past as to how we should live our lives, which were you know, get a good job, work with that company for the rest of your life. They're kind of looking for a more individuated way to live their life. They're looking for individuation, you know? Yeah. 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 Authentically presenting in the world and then doing something of value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I, Jack, I can't tell you how excited I am to see that branch, your branch of the podcast grow because, um, I think we were talking about earlier in this episode, just looking back on the interviews and kind of how we've learned what our strengths are as interview, as interviewers and what our, you know, interests are as persons. And obviously I'm, you know, you're one of my best friends. I'm interested in you as a person is so to see you like branch out and follow your interests. I think it's going to be so fucking cool. I'm excited personally, but I'm also excited for people that are going to be listening to the podcast. So I think it's going to be invaluable and it's going to kind of give us a little, uh, flare spin, like our spin on, on this. Definitely. Yeah. And I think a big part of it too, is, is kind of maybe distilling it and making it practical too. Mm -hmm. Like that practical advice for people learning to live their lives yeah. you know, as young adults, yeah. young adults, young adults. Um, we kind of talked about new vision and all that type of stuff. Um, how our relationship with the podcast has shifted. How, uh, I want you to start on this one. How do you feel like your relationship with the podcast has um, shifted, molded, whatever you want to term it. Um, I think it probably hit a point where I was less invested in it. Mm. Um, just cause life, you know, life stuff coming up, you yeah. know, I was just getting, finding that balance. I felt like it was overwhelming at times, you know, yeah. and, and trying to, I think I started putting timelines in my head of what it needed to be and kind of rationalizing what it should look like and really picking it apart and other things going on in my own life, you know, kind of addressing my relationship with the podcast. And yeah, it's probably hit a point where I'm more, I don't know. It was definitely, I mean, it, it hit points, but it was less invested, but more invested in other things in my life that allowed me to grow more into who I am and then kind of coming back to it and then injecting more of my authentic self into it. And I think I'm at a point now where it's like, I've kind of left on my own journey for a bit and then came back. And it's not like I left the podcast, but I wasn't as like invested in molding the mission. It was more just, I'll fall into the role of just supporting whatever we de like identify as moving forward. And you hit a very good creative flow for a couple of months where you're like, you had ideas of what you wanted to do. Yeah. And I had more of a supportive role in supporting you hitting those goals, but it kind of, I'm really interested to see how it readjusts, you know, yeah. a bit with, with me kind of injecting more of my authentic self into it. Absolutely. So that'd be interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I would say in, um, in a way, probably similar to what you said, just maybe at different times, um, it grew kind of disinterested. It's not the right word. Disinterested is not the right word, but just like less motivated and driven to give into the podcast and give portions of yourself. Cause like make no mistake about it, any sort of creative project or venture or business venture, like it takes a part of you. And I think that's something that we've had to come to grips with that. Yes, this is something that feeds us and fills us, but it also takes something from us and mm. um, being realistic with what that take is and how that fits into our lives and structuring our lives so that um, that's doable and 
for both of us, I'll, I'll, but I'll talk about myself not being uh, overzealous and trying to overpromise. Yeah. Um, I think that's been my biggest takeaway is that like, I, I need to be nice to myself. Like I, I love this podcast, but I'm, I'm not going to kill myself over, over kill myself isn't the right word, but like put myself under strenuous pressure to make a deadline because then it takes away from, I think the, the overall quality of the products um, yeah. and how much I'm enjoying it, which is, is what we're doing it for is to enjoy it. Fuck. Yeah. I think it came down to as well. I was like, I can't, I'm not sure if I can say, I, I maybe say we, but more realistically setting what our real, having that ambition, but finding the line between having the ambition to do some certain types of projects, but then also kind of practically and pragmatically viewing where we are and our ability to make that thing that vision become real and kind of readjusting how we're focusing. So that way we can make sure we hit the targets that we, yeah. we set. Cause I think we had, like you said, you know, million ideas and then we were trying to do a lot of them or set these big projects up. And like, it was hard to hit the targets we were setting out there, like out on the field and aiming at just cause it took so much bandwidth and energy and we yeah. just couldn't cultivate it, you know, yeah. without killing ourselves, you know, harsh word but without like working ourselves to the ground and compromising a lot of things like self-care yep. or sleep or getting dysregulated at our yeah at work you know yeah i don't know for you but like me feeling like i'm less invested and in making sure i'm you know at work and making sure things are okay yeah yeah it's all give and take life's give and take and balancing more than one thing which everybody does you know you're going to have to reevaluate, readjust. And I think it's, I think that's becoming, you know, um, an adult is being able to do that. Well, wow. <laughs> right? yeah. um, and it's a struggle, but I think it's something we're learning in real time and we'll continue to do better at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah. Um, talked about a lot of lessons. I don't know if we need to go into that, but, um, what's your intention for the podcast for the next year and personally? Um, I like that mission statement you said, like kind of just giving people good content that helps them live a better life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I want to do and yeah. I do it honestly and authentically, not compromise myself, but still be in this role, you know, professionally. Yeah. And then I'd like to include a lot more of my, uh, in the branding in a lot of my artistry, you know? really just develop that skill, you know, and just kind of express some of my ideas of how I want things to look aesthetically and then, you know, see how far I can get with that or bring artists on board and really get, have fun with it and kind of use this as, as a space to cultivate creativity and creative projects. And and that applies to us as well as to people we bring on and create that space. So we have ideas, let's make it happen, you know? love to see it grow into that where like we have an idea for something really creative and awesome and we have the resources and the artists and the network to make it happen and i want to take us a step closer to making this like an incubator essentially for creative projects yeah and then like creating that base where we can just create these beautiful pieces of whatever it is you know by using our network of artists it's a long-winded answer no i think it's great and then you know really building that up over the next year and, and finding that balance between, you know, efficiency and, and effectiveness and critically thinking and problem solving and then using that in service of, you know, that creative space where things are curious and you're being observant and we're appreciating life and we're creating that, that, that warmth, you know, and that, that thing that revitalizes human beings Yeah. and then using all those critical thinking and problem solving, all those things in service of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that being the overarching feeling of the podcast and then in the process of my own venture, giving people, you know, practical advice and sentiments and just practical stuff to help them live better lives as human beings, whatever that is for them. Yeah. Well, fucking, I should have went first because I'm not going to be able to top that. So I'm (laughs) going to just say that that was a great answer. Thanks. And I've. I think we've talked about a lot of those, at least for the podcast, particularly a lot of those concepts. So I'm just going to piggy tail off of you and say that I um, similarly want to put that intention out there that this um, continue to be a, a place uh, for creativity. And I think incubator is a cool word. I like that. Yeah. Um, just a way to continue to put 
that warmth and happiness and what we get out of art or back that, out into the world. That rawness too. Yeah. So it's, art's got this beautiful way of taking like the most painful emotions and then just putting them out there mm-hmm. and you just feel into it and it's just beautiful. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It just is what it is, you know, it is what it is. And there's that up and down, but you just, the, the, you know, low lows, high highs, but it just takes all that and just puts it right there and you can sit with it. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. Even the sad parts. Yep. And I just think that's beautiful what it does for people. Yep. And I heard this quote from somebody recently, but if you see a true artist, hug them. Cause yeah. it's, cause it's just like <laughs> so difficult to be a true artist. Yeah. And we're here, give, we're here giving out hugs you yeah. Know? Yeah. in a non weird way, but right. like in a professional sense, professional you know? hugs, we're uh, meeting emotional half- hugs. Yeah. Meeting you halfway offering a space and yeah. you know, let's have community. You know, yeah. you don't have to be alone in that pursuit. Yeah. Unless you want to be, but it's up to you. Well, yeah. And I was going to say, and, and, uh, physical hugs as well. I feel like there's a lot of artists that after we've had talks with them, we've hugged it out in person, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's, it's nice to just get past the artistry, appreciate the artistry and then appreciate the artist for the person, mm. you know? Um, yeah, it's been a great two years so far and I'm very mm. much excited for the future, sir. Yep. Season three coming up. Season three. Get your coffee, mug. Cheers, bitch. Cheers. I'm out of coffee. Oh, I got a little bit of coffee. Thank you all for listening. It was honestly an interesting task for Jack and I to sit down and compare the pitfalls and challenges of putting on this podcast right up against the positives and gross we've seen um, in both of us throughout the process of it all. Getting to talk to the inspiring, insightful, and generally interesting humans who have agreed to be on as guests on the podcast thus far has been a blessing, and we hope anyone listening has been able to find even a morsel of the amount of value that both Jack and I have derived from this project so far. We hope to keep doing this as a passion project for a long time and allow it to grow with us as well as our audience. As always, we wish you the best of health and the ability to stay as caffeinated as possible.